Well, good morning, Life Church. Come on, welcome to Summer NLC uh, Life Center. That's what this is called, by the way. Guys, so excited for the summer. So excited for all that we're about to experience. I'm excited for the series. Um, you know, there's so much that has gone into this move here today. Um, I remember, by the way, for those of you who don't know me, I see a few um, new faces. My name's Matt. Uh, along with my wife Tanya, we're the lead pastors here at Life Church. I uh, have been for about nine months, and we're so excited that you could come and join us today in person. We want to welcome you. Uh, a little bit about me, I was born and raised in Chilliwack, and uh, I have three kids, thank you, and I was a basketball player growing up, it's true, and right now my favorite burger is probably from Flipside in Squamish. If you get a chance to check that out, it's pretty awesome. There's a little tip for you. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just, I'm, a love, I'm a follower of Jesus. I just love the Lord with all my heart. I'm so grateful that I get to pastor and, 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 and serve you in this way. And you guys, we're going to be in for such a treat this summer as we dive into a brand new sermon series. Now, when I was praying about the summer earlier, like three or four months ago, and I was thinking, okay, God, what are we going to do this summer? How's this going to look? What do you want for us that's going to be unique? I had this phrase that kind of popped into my brain. And the phrase was, upper room sessions. Upper room sessions. I thought, that sounds really cool. I want to be a part of that. What is that, Lord? And, and as we began to, to plan the summer and look at the summer, we're going to realize that now that COVID's kind of lifted a little bit, a lot of our, 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 our team, our servants that serve us in the back and around are, are going to be taking some holiday time this summer. So we had some logistical issues, like how are we going to manage all this? What are we going to do? And the thought was, hey, what if we change locations Rather than trying to, to recruit more, more volunteers. And that idea began to grow on us. We began to pray in it. We, we submitted it to our elders. We had great conversations with Pastor Mike and Ev, who we serve with here at the church. And everybody was on board. Everybody said, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. So you guys are the first fruits today of Summer at Life Church, at Life Center. And we're so glad, again, that you're here with us today. And what we're going to be doing this summer is we are going to be in the vein of Upper Room Sessions... We're going to be doing a sermon series on the book of Acts. Okay, yeah. It is going to be awesome. And so what this is going to look like today is I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief uh, overview about the book of Acts. We're going to dive kind of into it pretty quick here. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview. We're going to geek out on it a little bit. I'm going to give you some, some thoughts about it. And then we're going to dive into our sermon series, which we have entitled We the Church. I'm going to explain a little bit about what that's about and why we're doing that. And then today, without any further ado, we're going to dive into Acts chapter 1. So are you guys with me today? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's go. All right. So you, you, let's go. Come on. Come on. Uh, you guys, you can shout me down in this room. It's cool because I can hear you. And I'm okay with that. Uh, was that worship time just awesome? Yeah. Come on. I'm just expecting God to do something unique in this place this year. There's something about a change that allows room for us to open our hearts to him. And I have great expectations for God to move in this place this summer and in each one of our lives. I believe that God's going to impact each one of you. And I believe this is going to be like a summer that we've never had before. Amen? And so the book of Acts, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be over the next nine to ten weeks is in the book of Acts. How we're going to approach this today is, again, talking about the book of Acts, a brief overview. The book of Acts was written by Luke the physician, who was a traveling companion of Paul. This is his second book, and does anybody know what his first book was called? Luke. Luke. Very good. His first book was called Luke. 
This is the continuing story, if you will. Of course, the book of Luke tells the story of Jesus uh, from his birth all the way through to his death and resurrection. And then as we get into the book of Acts, it's the continuing story of Jesus and his plan for the church on the planet here today. And so this is a story that is about, uh, again, Jesus. We, we see kind of the last few words of Jesus. We see him, his ascension into heaven. And then we see what happens to his plan afterwards, to the disciples that are left behind. Uh, most of the book actually is about the acts of two disciples. Uh, one of that becomes a disciple a little bit later in the book. The first one is Peter. And the second one is Paul. We also hear about Philip and, and, and Stephen and, and a number of others as well that pop into the story as we go through it. Specifically this summer, we're going to be focusing on the first nine to ten chapters of the book of Acts. So we'll be really hanging out a lot more with Peter, John, some of the other disciples. Uh, and then we'll dive into a little bit of Paul in, at the end of the series here. Uh, but that's what we're going to be focusing on. And really what we're focusing on here is an origin story. An origin story. Right. And you know that like right now, that's like all the rage in Hollywood, right? Is the origin stories. They're kind of running out of stories to tell. So they're starting to go back and tell about, you know, where did Batman have his childhood? And, you know, all these different origin stories. You know, where did it all begin? They kind of push back to the beginning. You know, Star Wars, where did, where did Anakin Skywalker come from? And, and what was his childhood like? And they're kind of diving into these origin stories. Well, guys, Acts is the origin story of the church. Yeah, come on. It's where we have come from. William Barclay says, The book of Acts tells of the church that carries the life of Christ. Wow. So we see in the book of Acts the ongoing ministry of Christ. Now, we have titled this message, We the Church. So what is this going to look like for us? This is what it's going to look like. Every week we're going to dive into a different chapter. We're going to start in chapter 1 and work our way through to likely chapter 10 is as far as we'll get in the summertime. So here is your assignment this summer, church. Every week we are not going to read the entire chapter to you. So your assignment this summer, your reading assignment, is to read ahead the chapter for that week. So if you're wondering where should I get to in my Bible reading, next week you should read Acts chapter 2 which Pastor Mike is going to be preaching on, and it's going to be awesome. But you should read ahead so you get a general idea. Then what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in to one section of that chapter each week and kind of one topic that we're going to focus on. Okay? So today, in Acts chapter 1, uh, no, again, backing up a little bit, why do we call it We the Church? This is important. Why do we call the ser sermon series We the Church? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, um, we did have an informal poll. On our Wednesday Night Live, if you all joined us on that about two, two or three weeks ago, uh, I put a little poll on there and said, hey, what would you like for a sermon series title? We had, you know, the upper room sessions, and then we had a couple others, and we had We the Church, and We the Church won by a landslide. So that's a part of it, so you guys kind of helped me pick it. But the reason that we came up with that in the first place is because of this big idea that the story that we read in here is an origin story of the church, and because it's an origin story of the church... It's actually your story. Yeah, it's, right. yeah. it's actually your story. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that? When you commit to a person or an organization, their story becomes your story. Let me give you an example. She was born on September 14, 1978. Her name that was given to her was Tanya Cherie Thiessen. She was born in Kamloops, Apartment Kelowna. Oh, that was close. And, 
Uh, but she was raised in Kamloops until the age of 10. At that time, her parents made the decision to move down to the coast and came down here and bought a house in White Rock, British Columbia. At that time, she began to attend a school, after going through Surrey Christian for a little bit, I know that. Then she began to attend a school called White Rock Christian Academy, where she graduated, probably top of her class, I don't know that for sure, in 1996. After that, she attended some universities, she had a chance to travel, and she actually got to travel with a group called the Continentals, and travel all around America and Europe, uh, going to different churches and ministering in music at these various churches. Cool. Then she came back, went to UBC for a while, worked at Starbucks, was also a teacher. And then one day, in 2001, I think it was, roughly 2000, my family moved here from Chilliwack, began attending a church that she had helped to plant called Southgate Church in Langley. And there she was, leading worship on a Sunday morning, and my heart <laughs> has never been the same. <laughs> And so after a dating season, which was a little rocky, there's a whole story there I'm not going to tell this morning. Not today. Yeah, thank you. In 2004, next week, July the 10th, we got married. And on that day, her name changed to Tanya Shree Jansen, and her story became my story. Became my story. And my story became her story. So when we talk about this origin story of the church, some of you who might be new to the church, maybe this is kind of, you're kind of new to this whole thing, this is kind of what you're getting yourself into, okay? This is the story and the background. How many of the background of a person influences the way that they interact with other people in the future? Absolutely. Right? The background of an individual, the way that they have, uh, you know, the experiences that they've had, the good and the bad, influences the way that they interact with other people in relationship. Influences the way that they, they, they present themselves to others. Well, at, right now we are reading the background story of the church. This is our story. Cool. And today we're going to dive into the beginning of that story in Acts chapter 1. And it's entitled, The Promise. What this is going to look like each week is we're going to give you a brief summary of the story. And then we're going to dive into a text. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open them right now to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. That's where we're going to be our text today. But to give you a little bit of a synopsis about this particular chapter, I'm going to start with a statement that we're going to use, and we're going to come back to this later on. And it is that we, the church, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose that God has given us. I'm going to say that again. We, the church are empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose God has given us. Now let me give you a little bit of a summary here. So what's going on? Jesus has been raised from the dead. He spends time with his disciples. The Bible tells us in Acts he spends about 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. At the end of that time, uh, Jesus instructs his disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the Father, the promise of the Father has been fulfilled. And the disciples say, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that my Father has set in place. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus ascended into heaven at that time, and it says the disciples were staring, watching him go, and they were waiting for him. And when the angels appeared to them and said, why are you standing here? Do you not know that the same Jesus who has ascended will come back to you in the same way? 
And so there's this promise, and, and, and there's also a, a charge to them to go and wait for the promise that Jesus had made, that the Holy Spirit would come and empower them. And so they respond to that, that, that charge, and they return to Jerusalem. They go into the upper room. A whole group of them go up there. And what it says that they do during that time is they don't just sit around twiddling their thumbs, but they pray daily in anticipation for the promise to be fulfilled. And then at the end of, the, of that passage, end of chapter 1, what happens is Peter gathers everybody and says, listen, we've got to replace one of our members that has been lost. It was Judas who had betrayed Jesus, had um, tragically taken his own life. And so they, they had a number of different um, uh, disciples there that they wanted to put in place of Judas. And they did that and they brought in a disciple. And how did they do that? They did it by casting lots. Uh, they, the, however they did that with dice or with, with straws, they cast lots to see who would be the next disciple. So here's one thing I just want to zoom out here for just a moment and say about the book of Acts. Uh, one of the things I heard Matt Chandler talk about when he spoke about the book of Acts is one of the questions we often have is, how do we view the Bible? How do we view the book of Acts? And one two ways that we can view it is, is it going to be descriptive and that it's telling us kind of what happened back then? Or is it going to be prescriptive? In other words, we ought to do exactly what we find in this book, and if we do it just like that, then that's what it means to be the church. Is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? And the answer to that question is both. Very clearly, both. And if you want evidence for that, just look at the end of Acts chapter 1, where they cast lots to determine who would be the next disciple. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I have this idea in my mind that when we came and applied to become the new lead pastors of the church, I don't think our elders like gathered around in a circle and then like wrote a bunch of names down and put them in a hat and said, okay, this is how we're going to decide who's going to be our next pastor, okay? So, so Pastor Mike, you do the honors and you pull the name and, oh, it's Matt and Tanya, woo, that must be the Lord. I, I don't think they did that. True. Right? So... <laughs> So we don't do that today, church. Just so you know, we don't make decisions. We didn't say Life Church or the beach or or White Rock Christian Academy when we decided we were going to go. We didn't cast lots for that. We prayed about it. We sought each other. We sought wisdom. We we talked about it, and we realized that this was going to be a good move for us for the summertime, right? So so the, the Book of Acts is both prescriptive and also descriptive. It tells us a number of things about how we ought to live our lives, but it also is a description of what happened in that time. It's a story. Okay? Got it? Okay. Here we go. Okay. So, how are we going to do this today? We're going to read the text, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Then we're going to look at it through three lenses today. We're going to look at it through that, and then we're going to close today. Okay? So, we'll, let's read the passage, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to preach, and then I'm going to let you go enjoy this rainy day. Sorry. It's going to get beautiful here. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, Jesus speaking, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, with this morning, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is living 
and active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, that it divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns the intents of the heart. And Father, we pray today, Lord God, we come under the authority of your word. We declare that, God, your word, um, Lord God, speaks life to us, speaks truth, and speaks hope. It has the, the words of life in it, Lord God, and so we come under that authority today. We pray that the seed of the word would go deep in our hearts, and it would plant a good soil, God, and it would, provo- it would produce good fruit in our lives, Lord Jesus. We pray that not one of us would leave this place the same, but that we would all be changed. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, so three lenses we're going to look at this through, church. Number one, the first lens is this, times and seasons. I want to kind of zoom in on that particular part of the passage where Jesus said, um, the the, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, listen, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now remember this. Uh, This was an ongoing issue throughout the time that Jesus was on the planet. His disciples had this perception and this understanding that what God was actually going to do was create a physical kingdom on the planet. That he was going to raise up Israel to be this dominant force all throughout the world. And and that's why they kept coming to him and saying, hey, Lord, when when you restore the kingdom, can I sit at your right hand or your left hand? Remember that? They, they, they kept asking for positions of honor in this new earthly kingdom. And Jesus' response to them is, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, what does that say to us today? See, I love that Jesus said times and seasons. I love that he told us that ahead of time. Because do you know that in life, there will be times and there will be seasons. There will be times of great joy and there will be times of great sadness. There will be seasons where you prosper and there will be seasons where you will struggle. There will be seasons of great health and there will be seasons where you're struggling with health. There's going to be times and there's going to be seasons. It wasn't just like, hey, it's going to be this one moment. We're going to have the Holy Spirit's going to come and just boom! Everything's going to be awesome forever. Winning the lottery every day. Go! You get a house, and you get a house, and you... No, 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 no. It's not that at all. And here's what we know about times and seasons. When you decide to put down roots in an area, you better be prepared to go through every season. Right? Like, if you decide that, hey, listen, I'm I'm tired of this real estate market here, I'm going to sell, and I'm going to move to Alberta, that's cool. You go ahead and do that, because you're probably going to save a lot of money and all that. But guess what you got to put up with Winter time. Yeah. Right? Like you gotta be ready to like buy a big parka and get some gloves and a toque and, 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 and you gotta be ready to plug your car in in the wintertime because that's what they do there. I don't even know why they do that, but that's what they do. <laughs> right? There's probably a great reason for it, but you plug your car in in the wintertime, right? You gotta be prepared for that. You gotta be ready to walk out the front door and have I was gonna say your boogers freeze, it's just gonna happen. Okay? Just being irrelevant here here a little bit, but it's true, it's gonna happen, alright? You know, you've got to be prepared for that. It's going to be cold. You're going to have some cold seasons. And you've got to be prepared for those different seasons. If you, uh, conversely, decide to move to the Palm Springs down in California, how many people would move to Palm Springs over Alberta? I don't know. Anybody? Not dissing you, Alberta. Love you. Just saying. Come on. Uh, you know, the, the Palm Springs people, you better, you better bring an air conditioner. Right? It just, it just comes with the territory. You better have a pool in your backyard because in the summertime, it gets ridiculously hot. I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, melt the rubber on your shoes hot. You can fry an egg on the sidewalk hot, right? Like, 
You've got to be prepared for that. There's going to be some seasons that come with it. Same thing, when you tie in to a relationship or you commit to somebody, you better be prepared that there's going to be some seasons there. That's right. Yeah. You know, like when you get married, you ever hear about that? the honeymoon season is what they call it? The honeymoon? Yeah, yeah. That ends. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. It ends. And then there's some, ch- there's some challenges. It's just a reality. When you tie into a church, guess what? There's going to be great seasons in Life Church. We believe for, for miracles. We believe for revival. We believe that God can reach each one of you. But guess what? There's going to be some seasons where you just, you just got to endure. Yeah. Come on, we're going to contend for revival, but we are going to be faithful to the Lord. Yes. Amen? Yes. Even when it's not there. Because maybe revival's for that next generation. And maybe our faithfulness is what's going to stand the test of time. It's going to re- sow the seeds of revival for the next generation. Right? Times and seasons. So what is our place with this? In Daniel 2.20, he he references this again. He says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He changes the times and seasons. God is aware of times and seasons this year. That's a good seed. That's something that has been planted in this place that is going to reap a good reward. Faithfulness. Come on, it's not all about the flashiness and the shininess and all those other things. It's about faithfulness. Yes, yes. Can you stand the test of time? Yes. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over the few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Church, will we be a faithful people? Faithful people. That's the first lens. Now let's zoom out again. And let's come back into the second lens. The second lens is the lens of a witness. Talk about times and seasons. And the answer to that is we need to live a life of faithfulness. Now we're going to zoom back into this, 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 this thought about a witness. Acts chapter 1 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, notice it doesn't say, hey, you're going to go out and witness. Right? Like, I don't know about you. I'm a pastor's kid. Amazing parents. I remember growing up in the church, and one of the things that we would do sometimes on a Saturday night is we would go witness. We would get out. We'd get these little tracks. We'd have to memorize these four points. And we'd go out on the streets of Chilliwack with hot chocolate and whatever. And we'd go out there and just find strangers and try and tell them about Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was not very good at it. You're like, what? Our pastor was not very good? No, no. It was awkward. It was awkward. Hey! How you doing there, bud? Yeah, you cool? Would you like some hot chocolate? How about a little bit of Jesus? <laughs> right? Like, I just, I just didn't have it. It just wasn't there. But let me tell you about Jesus. And you know, I would do, my brain just the way it works. Do you know that there's a God and that he actually founded the earth? In Genesis 1-1 it says, and I'd start right at the beginning. And I'd be trying to tell him the whole story of the Bible. And then there's this guy named Moses. And then there was David. And then there's like, they, I lost him with the first word. Right? I lost him with the first word. And now, I love that this says here, it, says, it doesn't say go out and witness. It says this is who you will be. You will be my witnesses. Now that word is, is, is a noun, it's not a verb. And the word in the original Greek is the word martis, which is where we actually get part of our word for martyr. Um, but it's a certain affinity, it's a witness, like judicially, like you know, like in, in, a, in a courtroom drama where you see the witness give up and give a, a witness to something that had happened. 
Right, that is that picture you can see it, right, where you got the courtroom and they call the first witness and the witness sits up and he gets sworn in and then they ask him questions and he has to give a truthful answer to what he knows. Well, there's three things that I want to talk to you about about a witness today in this section, and then we're going to move on to, to section three and we'll be done. But three things, okay. And what I want to do is I want to use a scripture as kind of a, a sounding board for this, and it's uh, Revelation chapter twelve, verse eleven. So we're going to use this as kind of an outline to talk to you about the three things regarding a witness. Revelations 12, 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. And this, these um, uh, comments and these thoughts are from William Barclay's commentary. He says this, number one, a witness lives out of what they know. So, again, it's not go out and witness. Okay, here's the four points. If you say it this way, this is a good way to get people to, to serve Jesus. No, no, no. He says you will be a witness. It's who you are. So they live out of what they know. So here's the question. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? And we start with this context from Revelation 12. They overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony and loving not their lives unto death. What is the blood of the Lamb referred to? This is kind of a Christianese type of statement. We're talking about blood in church. What are you guys talking about? This is this idea that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins was enough to cover those sins and make you right with him. Yeah. When we talk about the blood of the Lamb, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this, this God that loves you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is this idea that there is a God and that yes. he's crazy about you. Yes. And through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we have salvation, we have freedom, we have life, we have joy, and we have peace. Yeah. So the question is, do our lives reflect that? A witness lives out of what they know. It just, it just pops out. It's just who we are. It's just what I know. 1 John says it this way, 2, 3. Now, by this we know that we know him. This is kind of a fun sentence. We know that we know him. By this we know that we know him. How do we know it? If we keep his commandments. Is there evidence in your life that you know this? Is there evidence with the way that you live your life? Okay, that's the first part. Number two, uh, sub-point. A witness speaks out of what they know. So if we go back to that scripture. They overcame him, that being the devil, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. We know what we know. By the word of their testimony. Okay, so next thing is, once you know it, then it's just got to be natural for you to speak it. I mean, I can remember times where I'd be sitting with a friend of mine, and, and not a believer at all, and he's sharing with me about this breakup he just had with his girlfriend, and he is devastated. And I am so, I'm feeling it inside. Like, I'm feeling I'm compassionate towards him. And I didn't know what to say. And, but I do know God. So I said, hey, listen, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry you're experiencing this. Can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, go for it. So I lay my hands on him in the car and we pray over him. And he starts crying. And the Holy Spirit fills the car and it just comes in that place. Why? Because I didn't know anything else. I just knew Jesus, the comforter. I just knew the Holy Spirit needed to come into that situation. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I brought it in into that situation. Um, this is this idea of what has God done in your life? It's a testimony. It's powerful. 1 John 5.11 says, and this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. So you speak out of what you know. 
It's hard to speak with authority about something that you have not experienced. I had this happen a, a, a few weeks back, about a month back. I had a friend that, that, that emailed me, and he said, listen, we're trying to build our business, and we want some five-star Google reviews. So could you give me a five-star Google review? And listen, I love this guy. I mean, he's awesome. I would give him a five-star Google review, but I didn't know anything about his business. So I had to like respond and say, actually, I don't know anything about what you do, and so I really couldn't do that right now because I can't speak with authority about what I don't know. Right? How many of this, there's one thing about me saying, I've heard that there's a great burger at Uli's, right? I can say that, but I've never had it. But I can tell you, hey, my favorite burger is at Flipside in, uh, in Squamish. I've had that burger, and it's really good. Right? So, so I can speak because I've experienced it. Because it's what I know. So to be a witness is, first of all, to know what you know. To know him. Second of all, is to speak about what you know. Right? And here's the third thing. And this one... Uh, is something that's a little foreign to us today, but this is this is real. A witness is loyal no matter the cost. Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and what? By not loving their lives to death. And again, the original word for the word uh, witness is this martis word, which refers to a martyr, somebody who's willing to give up their life for what they believe in. Now, this isn't popular teaching today. This isn't popular preaching. Like, this isn't something that you're like, oh, man, I, I'm so, I just feel so empowered by that sermon today. No, no, this is intense, right? This is intense. But that's what they're calling us to do. That's what God is calling us to is, is would you be willing to lay down your life? And I thought what I would do is just read uh, an example of this from our history because do you know that the church, we the church, we the church were founded on the lives of martyrs? People that had, had, this had become so real in their life that nothing could turn them away from it. That they would not uh, reject or deny it, even at the pain of death. And one of the traditions of this is a man by the name of Polycarp. I just wanted to read this from you. It's from Fox's Christian Martyrs. It says this, after the respite, the Christians again came under persecution. This time from Marcus Aurelius in AD 61. One of those who suffered this time was Polycarp, the venerable bishop of Smyrna. As he entered the stadium with his guards, a voice from heaven was heard to say, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. No one nearby saw anyone speak, but many people heard the voice. Brought before the tribunal in the crowd, Polycarp refused to deny Christ, although the proconsul begged him to. Consider yourself and have pity on your great age. Reproach Christ and I will release you. Polycarp replied, Eighty-six years I have served him, and he never once wronged me. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Threatened with wild beasts and fire, Polycarp stood his ground. We the church. This is our story. That there were men and women who refused to deny Christ even at the pain of death. That there were men and women who stood the test of time. Who knew God. Who spoke about him. And who lived a life that would not deny his reality. Witness. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 about these ones. Therefore, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Okay, so we have two ideas here. We have this idea that we just talked about of times and seasons, that God, what he's calling us to do is be faithful, that there's going to be some times and seasons and things we're going to face. And then we have this idea of a witness. Do you know him? Are you speaking about what you know? And are you willing to live a life that is in alignment with what, what you know, no matter the cost? That's a pretty heavy challenge. But here, here's the third thing that we're going to zoom out in and zoom in on as we close today. See, we don't actually have the power to do that on our own. But Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit is our last lens. This is the promise for the church. Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then it says, then you shall be my witnesses. But where does it start? With the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The challenge to be a witness and the reality of the times and seasons comes with a promise. And that is this, that the Holy Spirit will guide us and help us. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. There's two things I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit today. We're not going to go too much in depth on this, um, but we're going to close with this today. First of all, I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. Okay, this isn't like Star Wars, you know, use the force. <laughs> it's not like that, okay? This is, this is different. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, in, in, in John chapter 4, verse 24, for God is spirit, is what it says. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Um, uh, as a Protestant church, we believe in the triunity of God. I'm not going to get too much into that today. But it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's not some magical force that we just learn to use and abracadabra our way out of trouble. But he is a person that we can have relationship with. He is the helper that God has promised, that Jesus promised. That What does it do? It gives us the power to be witnesses. And it gives us the power to be faithful. We rely, like church, on the Holy Spirit. And here's the next thing I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for all believers. John 7, 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to who? Everyone believing in him. Yes. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. The Holy Spirit is for all believers. Yes. You say, well, what, what, is, what is that? It's not some spooky thing. It's not like we need to get up and do a dance around the, the, the building. It's, it's not like we need to even have any music playing. Um, he, he's, he's here. The Spirit of God is here. And what does He do? He's our helper. Yeah. And He's here to help you. And if you're feeling today like you are tired, maybe you're in a season right now that's kind of an extreme season, and you're just, just merely having to endure it, that's what the Holy Spirit is there, is to help you to endure 
Maybe you're struggling with your witness. You're trying to be who God's called you to be. And, and, and you're struggling with that today. What The Holy Spirit is here to empower you to be a witness for Him. Maybe you're not sure about where you, where you stand with your faith right now. But the Holy Spirit is here to teach you and to lead you into truth and into life. So this is how we're going to close today. Um, in a few moments, Pastor Mike's going to come and we're going to take up communion together. We the church. Just like our forebears. Before we do that, I want to just take a few moments. And I wanted to ask everybody in here just to bow your, close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. And if you're in that place today where you say, now I'm in, a, I'm in an extreme season and it's been tough, it's been hard. Um, or maybe you're here today and you say, Matt, I, I, I'm having trouble with my witness. I don't even know what I believe about God. He's here. He's gracious and he's kind. And if you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, I want you just, wherever you are, just lift up your hands as if you're going to receive something. And in silence, in a moment, I'm simply going to pray a very simple prayer. And we're going to believe that God is going to meet you. What's going to happen? Some of you might feel something. I don't know. Some of you might not. That's okay. But we're just going to, by faith, invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill this place and fill each heart. He's here already, but we're going to give him access to our hearts. So we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in our lives and in this room. We, the church, invite you and say, Holy Spirit, come. And you're welcome to repeat that back as well. You can say, Holy Spirit, come. I'm just going to take a few moments of silence.